0: Warm welcome from me also. I can't see you. (laughs) But I have faith. Somebody will be here. (laughs) All right. So, actually, uh, the sermon will be in in the verses uh, from John 16, verses 5 uh, through 11. But I asked Kiki to read a little bit more of a context because I like... This verse that comes after the passage that we're about tonight, he will testify of me. I mean, the Holy Spirit is all about Jesus, right? And that's what gives us hope. So, yeah, today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and his will and purpose and ministry in the world. And would you agree that the Holy Spirit is an important topic? Yes? Yeah? Who agrees it's also a controversial topic? (laughs) It is. Yeah, it's interesting. And we're going to address a little bit of that tonight. A little bit. It definitely is, because the Holy Spirit is is God present in us as a church. And he has a purpose for us as a church. He wants to work in us and through us in this world. And we're supposed to be there for him, right? That's that's one thing that's already controversial, right? Uh, yeah, some some somebody said, yeah, don't ask uh, how much Holy Spirit you have, ask how much the Holy Spirit has you. It's a very interesting uh, thought already. But if you want God to give you more passion in your faith, if you want um, your Godly character to evolve, if you want to bring fruit for the Lord Jesus, it's only, only, only through the Holy Spirit in your life. It's a very important uh, topic we talk about today. Very important. So, <laughs> I first want to uh, give you an exercise, an experiment, a thought experiment. Uh, but I tell you a story first. When we go on vacation, we, uh, we usually go once a year. We go to southern Spain and several families with us from church. And uh, when our kids were younger, I, I was uh, bringing my um, army spade with me. And then I was digging like huge, huge piles of sand. And then we would build castles like the whole day. Castles like this high and with... Um, with Uh, towers on top and houses and and all kinds of stuff really elaborate castles and at the end of the day what would you expect is the most fun for the kids Destroy. destroy the castle so let's have a thought experiment about destruction okay you ready okay i want you to give me ideas what would we need to do so that nobody comes to faith anymore in this world Okay? Give me something. What will we need to do? Okay, I start. Ask him for money all the time. Okay? All right, your turn. We keep uh, our mouth shut. All right. Yeah, what else? No music. No music, okay? No? No No snacks, snacks. okay. Oh, that's a downer, really. Yeah, probably have a soccer game during church time. Okay, <laughs> what else? Come on, you must have better ideas. What would we need to do so that nobody believes in Jesus anymore? Mean, being mean, okay? Killing people, <laughs> Killing people yeah. Okay, right? Probably with a bump and, and talk about God. why we throw the bump, right? Okay, some people do that. Okay, what else? No generosity. generosity. Maybe we should be really all crazy or something. Like nobody understands us. Or talk about sin all the time, right? Or uh, condemning people. Yeah, it sounds like something we could do. (laughs) No more ideas. Usually people get really um, creative when they're allowed to destroy things with their creativity. (laughs) Really. I mean, you should look at kids destroying castles, what they do. I mean, first they jump at it, but then, you know, know, that gets boring. All right. So, but, I mean, the Holy Spirit has an office in this world. And the purpose uh, for him is to display God in this world through us as a church. And, and the purpose is to to bring people to salvation. Of course, um, that's his chief office. That's his main uh, work. That's his will. That's the Father's will. The the Lord Jesus' will. It's the Holy Spirit's will to save people. And um, you know, we destroy that by uh, bombs, probably, <laughs> but also through more subtle things. And let's go in the, into the text, and I read from. Verse 7, nevertheless I tell you the truth, it is to your, your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So, you know, you, you have to look at the context. That's uh, his, probably his last teaching before he goes to the cross. And he tells the disciples that he must go. And that his leaving will be to their advantage because he will go away and send another person, right? He says him, personal pronoun him, it's a person. He will send another person to help us. And who is this? He's, in this translation, he's called the helper, but the Greek is "paracletos," And para means beside, in the presence of, or alongside of and Kletos means called, invited summoned by God to an office or to salvation so it means the one called alongside of the church so he's he's brought in to dwell among us to live in us he's invited to be in the church as a helper and um, with the with the word the helper it's i think it's a great translation what it lacks is the idea he's always there he lives with us he lives in us and it's advantage because now everybody can see god through the church jesus goes and he's gone and he was here and he displayed god's holiness god's righteousness god's character to the world but imagine everybody like even from uh, Russia probably should, would, go, would have to go to Jerusalem to see God we don't have to do that anymore we can see God in the church through the working of the Holy Spirit everywhere so we don't need to, pilgrim, to conduct a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to see God God's righteousness so that's advantage advantageous I I think my English is a little rusty. Anyways. And also, the context of the teaching is um, when uh, before that, only a few um, passages before that, Jesus was teaching about uh, him, him being the true vine and us that we're supposed to abide in him. And that's interesting because that's a very enigmatic saying you know abide in someone else or or, right but here is the explanation the Holy Spirit is the one who lives in us and we live through him through Jesus in order to bring fruit of course so the Holy Spirit is one of the three persons of God fully being God but being a separate person he is a person we see that in the text because Jesus uses the personal pronoun him and he is here because he brings God's love to us so we're supposed to welcome him to love him as we love Jesus to be ready to have him work through us change our hearts being ready just for God to do something with us We can't do it ourselves. Right? If we're supposed to live a righteous holy life, no way. You know, I tried. (laughs) I tried really hard. It was a mess, really. Right? I tried to be a good person. It was a mess even from my standards. Not to speak about God's standards. It was a mess. But then Jesus came into my life and everything changed. God's peace was in my heart. And the Holy Spirit came and changed my life. I changed a lot. <laughs> you wouldn't think. Uh, he changed my heart even. He changed how I think. He changed how I even do practical things in my life. Like, like going to bed early and things like that. He was really when still working in my life like crazy. And through his working, I have the peace of God in my heart. That's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. But now we read about the chief office. I, I, I stole that uh, from Spurgeon. He called it the chief office of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I like it. And when he comes, he will convict the son, uh, he will convict the world concerning sin, and righteousness, and judgment. So, actually, we had people leaving the church, and giving us uh, um, the reason, and the reason was, we talk too much about sin, and judgment. And, but I'm 100% sure, that I never teach about sin, and judgment, without talking about grace also because God's grace is so precious to me I wouldn't be here uh, if, if it wasn't for the grace of God I wouldn't be saved if it wasn't for the grace of God but grace without talking about sin and judgment doesn't make sense at all if I don't, if I don't know, know how lost I am before the grace of God if I do not know that I can't even live on a daily basis, even as a Christian, without the grace of God, then the grace is not worth anything. I need to know there's still the fallen man here. that My body, my soul is still in this fallen world. I need God to renew me every day. I need this grace every day but I don't know that if I don't know that I'm a fallen man that judgment a righteous judgment would await me without grace that wouldn't be valuable really right but like that I know we have a righteous God he has heaven for us right a perfect place and he wouldn't spoil that place because he lets in sinners not even a little bit of sin he would spoil the place right and he wants to keep it perfect and holy and so he wants me to be perfect and holy, and I can't. But I'm so thankful because Jesus went to the cross. I am pronounced righteous, right? We talk about righteousness also later. But without judgment and sin, without having a holy place like heaven that, that's supposed to be perfect and without sin, all this wouldn't make sense, Right? So let's talk about sin. So that's the first thing. Let's dig a little deeper. Jesus speaks about one sin, not sins. When you look at the passage, the word is singular. It's not about multiple sins. When we read that, we quickly think about murder, adultery, lying, stealing, greed, pornography, adultery, and so on, and so on, and so on, and uh, I mean that's the thing I, I talked about earlier. When we go around and pick at people's sins, we can't we do not help, right? When we say you you can't live like that, you, you can't sleep with your girlfriend, or you can't smoke, or you can't drink, or you can't whatever. We just um we just do not do what Jesus wants to do. Because Jesus here speaks about one sin. Uh, and that means The issue of sin, of me being a sinner, like all of me, not the single things that I do wrong. And also about this one thing that is not forgivable the unpardonable sin. Do you wonder what that is? (laughs) I did for a long time. And it's so plain in this text. (laughs) Yeah. It's so, uh, it's right there, right? Uh, Mark 3 verse 28 says truly I say to you all sins will be forgiven the children of men and whatever blasphemies they utter but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never, will never have forgiveness Jesus here also speaks about the uh, unpardonable sin and what is that in verse 9 we read concerning sin because they do not believe in me So the witness of the Holy Spirit is Jesus. The way to heaven is Jesus. No one else. And the unpardonable sin is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, to say, what you say is wrong, Holy Spirit. Jesus is not the only way. and He's not a way at all, probably. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says it here, because they do not believe in me. That's the ultimate sin, right? Or like, like the devil says, you know, I want to be God myself. I can can make it myself. I'm going to be a good person, and uh, God will accept me. And that's the same. It's the same belief. I can do it myself. I'm proud. That's the unpardonable sin. Not believing in Jesus. He is the only way. We need His salvation. And through him, the power of sin is broken. We as Christians believe that we're free from sin. We're free to do the right thing. I mean, sin means doing the wrong thing. Right? We are free to do the right thing. And whenever we fail, Jesus is there to pull us out of the mud again. And we can do the right thing again tomorrow. And we're saved. John 3, 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And the other thing the Holy Spirit convicts the world of is righteousness. In verse 10, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. So as I said earlier, Jesus is gone, the righteousness of God that he displayed on this earth uh, cannot, uh, he doesn't display it anymore, but we as a church do through the Holy Spirit, and that's uh, what he is doing. Matthew uh, 5, verse 20, Jesus says, for I tell you, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That was a tough word for people in that time, because the Pharisees, they were all about like outward righteousness. They were doing the craziest things, not to be to, to commit a sin. Like, For example, they would walk around like this so they would never look at a woman and stump their heads and corners and so on. Or they would uh, wear masks so they would not swallow a fly, uh, which was an unclean animal, and things like that. They would do crazy stuff not to commit any sin. But in their hearts, they knew they were sinners, right? As uh, one of the great Pharisees said, Paul, um, I knew, I covered, and I, and so I feel condemned. And displaying more righteousness outwardly doesn't help with that. But Jesus, when he was here, he was he came in a human body. He was tempted in everything as we are. He had to go through tough things but his righteousness was greater as, as the temptation, and temptations. He never sinned. He was here sinless, despite all the temptations he had. And the father approved of Jesus' righteousness through the resurrection and the ascension. He said, you are righteous, you are sinless, you can go to heaven, Right? And now Jesus sits at the right hand of God in heaven because he was the only righteous man. And we have the privilege that he senses his Holy Spirit to be a righteous church. And I say that on purpose. I don't say single um, person. I say church. Because... The righteousness was displayed in a, in a body, in Jesus as a body. And none of us, is, as a single person, is a representation of God. We're far away from that. But God's plan is to have a new body in this world. And that's us as a church. So the Holy Spirit works through the church as a congregation, not through single, through the single person. And the the spirit dwelling within the church, and he displays God's character, God's righteousness here on earth. And where um, God tells us, you know, do not grieve the Holy Spirit in Ephesians four thirty, or in five eighteen Ephesians also, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, continually filled with the Holy Spirit. The third thing the Holy Spirit uh, does it conv- he convicts the world concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged already in Revelation 20 we read about uh, the judgment throne in ver- uh, starting with verse 11 then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. So there's uh, different books. There's a whole set of books and one book. Right? Earlier, earlier I said, I guess I will have like a little star in the book of life besides my name because I'm here today. <laughs> I'm not watching soccer. <laughs> but anyway. No, there's, a, there's the book of life and names are written in the book of life just by what Jesus did at the cross and through us believing. It, in the moment I say yes to Jesus, my name is in the book of life and I'm through this situation at the white throne and go to heaven. The other books, is a different story. It's a whole other ball game, I guess you say. <laughs> so, These books are a lot of books, I would think, because they're all the deeds of man are in there. I think it must be a huge... I mean must be like a whole set of uh, of DVDs or something. I don't know. And everybody who's not believing in Jesus has to give an account for what he did, what she did. Wow. I don't want to be there because there's no chance in the world or in heaven to stand before God and say, I'm entitled to go to heaven. No way. The only thing I can, I can listen when Jesus said, he's with me. He can come. That's the only thing. I can't plead for my righteousness or anything. Nothing, no chance. But Jesus, as, as I said, he's the He's the way. He's, He's the only way to get my name into the book of life. In Colossians 2, verse 14, it says, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, laying it, nailing it to the cross. I had all these books, like there was one book for Alex Röhm, everything he did, yeah, he put it aside, he threw it away, he nailed it to the cross. Done. Cool. I like that. <laughs> I don't want to carry this book around in hell with me. No. Nope. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by tri- triumphing over them in him. You know, n- he won the victory over all our enemies. He won victory over sin, over death, over fears and we are free and no one has the chance to condemn us anymore Satan can't come and say where was that book oh that book is gone, where's that book ah Jesus nailed it to the cross it's gone shoot I can't come to Alex and condemn him Jesus won the victory. And Satan is judged already. In Revelation 20:10, we read, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So, judgment is a real thing. For the evil one, it's it's already he's already judged through what Jesus did, we have the choice. We can trust in Jesus or receive condemnation and judgment as the devil did. So how do we relate to the world? Does it help the Holy Spirit? To fulfill his chief office to convict the world of sin of righteousness and judgment or does it not so when we think about the Holy Spirit and how we expect the Holy Spirit to move so that something happens right, do we think of these things Usually we don't, I would say, right? Usually people think about spooky things, right? They they think about how can we prove the uh, existence of supernatural powers with the Holy Spirit, right? You know, like prophecy or things like that. It's all good. It's a different. It's a different purpose of the Holy Spirit. It's to build up the church with the gifts. You can read. Um, First Corinthians 12, 13, 14 for that. It's a great thing. It's also, he's also here to change our hearts and to, to grow fruit in us. You can read uh, Galatians 5 about that. But his chief office is to display Jesus for the world. And we do replace that all the time. Yeah, We go and want to entertain in church, for example. Great music, good speeches. You know, but does it help the Holy Spirit to fulfill his purpose? We do the wookie, spooky things, right? But also we're, we're bound in positivity. Do not mention sin or judgment. No. Also, I mean, the worst thing is being hypocritical, right? Like the Pharisees. The other thing is intellectualism. Yeah, we make we make speaking about God a big thing, theolo- theological houses and and skyscrapers, and and we we actually what we do is worshiping our own intellectual capabilities, but not going simply like a child to God, understand the word as it as it is the other thing is I mean the psychological worldview also takes away a lot from the, the work of the Holy Spirit in the church because you know like the psychological worldviews they're also they're all at the center they all want man to be good we need to tell the world that it is lost. lust utterly lost without Jesus. And I mean, there's some merit to psychological things, but uh, the world view around psychology is the bad thing, right? And lukewarmness. Wow. Are we guilty guilty of that? We are. I like what C.H. Spurgeon said about the Holy Spirit. He he taught a lot about the Holy Spirit, he was not a Pentecostal, he was a Baptist, but he taught a lot about the Holy Spirit and I love I, I will cite him just read it to you: life and love, light and liberty, and all other good things come of the Spirit of the Lord. blessings about wherever he reigns, the prisoner leaps to the to lose his chains the weary finds internal rest and all the sons of need are blessed let us return unto the Lord let us seek again to be baptized into the Holy Spirit and into fire and we shall yet again behold the wonderful works of the Lord he sets before us an open door and if we enter not We are ourselves to blame. He gives liberally and upbraids not. And if we are still impoverished, we have not because we do not ask or because we ask amiss. Thus much then have I spoken using the text to silence those who would would censure the Spirit of God. I think I like this uh, word of Spurgeon. Let us be baptized again into the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, how much we need you. We need you to be like Jesus. And that's our desire. We want to be like Jesus. We want to live a righteous life as a church so that the world can see sin and judgment so they would run to you for salvation. Lord, fill us again with your Spirit and let us work so people can get saved. Amen.